Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. How is it possible that two people can read the very same Bible text and come away with two very different interpretations of that text? For instance, after reading scripture, one will decide that to be like God, he or she needs to act as the moral police of the world, setting everyone straight. Another will say, to be like God, he or she needs to love unconditionally, accepting the differences that swirl around our planet and stepping in only when invited. Same Bible texts, different interpretations. Why? Dr. Jennings, help us out here. When we think about going to the Bible and why there's so many different interpretations, it's because people go to the Bible with different assumptions, premises, biases, and beliefs before they actually ever read the Bible. And it's those biases, premises, assumptions, and beliefs that they hold before they read the Bible that uh, cause them to interpret the same things multiple different ways. One person approaches the Bible as, well, this is the divine word of God speaking to me in my life today, and therefore I can't question it. The Bible said it. I believe it. That settles it. There's no thinking. You just do whatever you find the Bible says. That's one mindset, and that mindset, of course, can do very harmful things if they believe every text of the Bible is directed at them personally. Okay. All right. Many others have other assumptions and premises, and there's these... I don't know if you've heard the term exegesis. Yes. It's a fancy word that simply means the, the interpretation of the text, mm-hmm. the critical explanation and or interpretation of the text. And that's what theologians use that word to talk about your method of exegesis. How do you interpret and explain the text? And there have been different schools of thought on how you do that. People looking at the grammatical and trying to understand the original languages and what the languages meant and the words meant, and and that's one method. And and there's a a method that looks at the historical and trying to understand what the context of history was at the time. And and then there's others that look at, well, it's a revelation, and they're trying to uh, see, well, what, what is it the Holy Spirit was trying to say to future generations? And And I think all of those have their place and can be integrated, but that's not the most important and, I think, key element to properly understanding the Scripture. For me, you have to understand reality. Yes, yes. When you wrote your book, Could It Be This Simple? I got a copy of that book, and I read through it, and I thought, whoa, this is not the way that I see God. And so I'm thinking, I need to find out more about God before I decide about God. And that creates a catch-22, Dr. Jennings, and I need you to help us out of this. We have a catch-22 that says we need to come at God without these biases and assumptions and beliefs, yet when we read the Bible, we come up with biases, assumptions, and beliefs, and we're all different people, so we come out the other end of it with very different ideas. Where do we plug ourselves into this thing? We come at the Bible with certain assumptions and beliefs, or we come at the Bible with no assumptions and beliefs, so why are we coming at the Bible? I think the biggest problem with Bible reading has been a misunderstanding of an old Latin phrase called sola scriptura that many Christians hold, and and they've assumed that means that you take the Bible all by itself and you exclude all other pieces of evidence, and the Bible is to be used in isolation by itself. And that's that's simply not true. God has uh, provided three evidentiary threads that are three distinct threads of evidence that are to be harmonized, and those three threads are Scripture. God reveals himself in Scripture, but the Scripture says in Romans 1, that God's divine nature is seen in what he has made, so that men are without excuse. That's science in nature.
nature. And the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience me. Check me out. Real life experiences. And so when we separate the threads, we have problems. Science by itself frequently leads to godlessness and evolutionary ideas of a godless universe. Experience by itself leads to mysticism and mystical religions. And scripture all by itself leads to the problem that you've identified, confusion and argument back and forth that nobody can agree. When you anchor and require all three to harmonize, then when you say, well, this text here could mean this, or it could mean that, it could mean this, and by itself... Those are legitimate interpretations. But then you say, okay, well, now let's harmonize that with the laws of nature that God has built reality to operate upon. Let's harmonize that with how life actually works in real life. And then when you find that, then certain interpretations of Scripture are immediately excluded, and you know those are the wrong ones, and here's the right one. Okay, all right, I'm, I'm getting this here. But here's the problem, Dr. Jennings. Please help us. When we go to church, when we sit down and we listen to a sermon, we are being fed— by people who they say love God, a certain bias, assumption, and uh, belief. We're sitting in church and our minds are being loaded down with a a brand of religion that comes from the church that we belong to. Are you saying that even the brand of our church that we love and hold dear and, and our families have been members of for generations may not be correct? Exactly, yes. Wow. Okay. Um, and Paul says in Romans fourteen five that every person should be fully persuaded in their own mind. Mm. And if you look at the context of those things, it's all about religious things. And so uh, what we do in our ministry, Come and Reason Ministries, our goal is not to tell people what to think. Our goal is to teach people how to think. And many people say, well, why is the Bible so hard to understand? The Bible is hard to understand in the same way that a math book is hard to understand. Okay, why is it when you take a math class that the teacher doesn't just give you the key with all the answers to every question and just have you memorize and order the answers? Here's all the answers, and when you go to the exam, you've memorized the answers, so you answer, but you never work any problems. Well, you may know the answers, but you have no idea why they're the answers. The Bible is written the way it is to require you to study, to think, to compare, to harmonize with reality and the laws of nature so that you not only eventually know the answer, you know why it's the truth. And once you know why it's the truth, then somebody coming along who is a great speaker and, and passionate and, and dynamic and tells you a lie, you just look at him and go, well, that's silly, because that's, that's not how reality works. And so you won't get pulled along. But many people don't want to do the work to learn how to be thinkers. Hebrews 5.14, the mature, those who develop by practice, the ability to discern the right from the wrong. Instead, they want security in some other authority, external source, like a church, like a creed, like a pope, somebody to tell them they've done the thinking, they've told them the answer, and now I don't have to think, I just rest secure on what somebody else has thought. That is not what God wants for us. Is it safe to say that that idea, that concept that you just revealed, is also true within the pages of Scripture, that some of the people in that book, some of the stories we hear in that book, are illustrations of what not to do, but what not to do. Am I right? That's exactly correct. I mean, the reason the Scripture is there, you can you can consider it like a medical textbook. Yeah. And what you see in a medical textbook is you see lots of pathology, lots of illnesses, sores, lesions. But what you also see in a medical textbook is you see the treatments and solutions to resolve those problems. Mm-hmm. And so in the Bible, you see really some really grotesque symptoms of sin happening in human lives, but you're also seeing God's agencies working to bring healing and restoration to those problems. Again, much of 
of the problem with the scripture is that people have read it through a false, faulty lens, particularly reading it through an imperial law lens, yes. where they view God's law functioning like human law, and so they read the scripture as a code book of rules to be kept, rather than seeing it as simply history revealing how reality works when you're in harmony with God and when you're not. And those ways of looking at God, they probably learned sitting in church, worshiping God, right? Many of the people learn these things from their parents, from their, from their churches, yeah. from, from their systems of religion. Children don't come into the world knowing the Bible or knowing a religion. They are taught those things, and by the time they're old enough to read, there's already a certain philosophy and bias and expectation they have when they go to the Bible. And so part of the job of parents is to teach them God as creator and the builder of reality and his laws are the laws of health, laws of physics, and the moral laws, how reality works. And the Bible is God's method of trying to communicate to us this problem of what happens when we don't live in harmony with his designs for life. Okay, Dr. Jennings, let's say that you're a parent or you are a young person just starting out or you're an elderly person. You say, I want to know the real God, the God not that's being blasted from the pulpit, the not, not the one that's being heralded from the televangelist or the radio or not, even from Dr. Jennings. I want to know the real God as he relates to me. How do we begin that process? First, there has to be desire in the heart. Wherever you are, if you actually have a desire in your heart and you reach out with your heart, Lord, I want to find you, I want to know you, no matter where you are, the Holy Spirit will begin bringing evidences to you and leading you to places where you can learn more about Him, if it's truly in your heart to know more about Him. If we're in an American culture, well, there is Scripture and there are many resources in the world in which the Holy Spirit can lead you to that knowledge, but we want to be looking to follow, and I would tell you the key for people who already identify themselves as Christian, is to put Christ Christ at the center. Christ said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. But if people were actually honest and step back and answer, well, how many attributes of Christ do I actually see in the Father, or do I see the Father with distinctly different attributes than I see in Christ? And do I teach things about the Father that are quite different than Christ revealed? And most of Christianity does, and that immediately should throw flags up in people's mind and go, wait a minute, maybe I'm not seeing God the way Jesus actually wants us to see him. And so I would say, start with Christ and then harmonize with nature and experience. I like that because we tend to forget that there is a force in this world, in the universe, that is there to help us, and that's the Holy Spirit. And I'm glad you identified that because we're not alone in this thing, am I right? That's exactly right. And of course, Jesus said, you will find me when you search with me with all your heart. Many people don't search with their heart. They search with their head. They're looking for cognitive knowledge or Gnostics of the modern era. They want to look for facts. They want to look for things that they can control. They're not actually looking for a, with their heart, a being that they can open themselves up to and trust and be examined by, like David of old prayed, search me and see the wicked way in me, O God. They're looking to identify the facts that they can list, control, and govern over. That is not pursuing with your heart. That's pursuing with your head. When I began this journey myself personally, after reading uh, Could It Be This Simple, your very first book, I came at the Bible from an open mind. I said, I'm not going to believe anything I've heard before. I'm going to come at it open here. I want the Lord to reveal himself to me. And I began with the book of John. And I got to tell you, Dr. Jennings, it changed my life. And I believe that it can change other people's lives too. The Holy Spirit may lead you to a different book or, or a different place. But once I understood what Dr. Jennings was trying to tell me and what God was trying to tell me, suddenly nature and science and experience and the Bible, especially the book of John, was a very different place for me, Dr. Jennings. 
Yeah, I, I love the fact you put John center. People don't often realize this, but John was the only apostle yes, yes. who stayed for the crucifixion. Yeah. All the rest ran. Yeah. And so when you read the Gospel of John, you get a more deeper insight into the true nature of God and his character of love than you get from the other Gospels, which are more historic. John probes a little deeper into the deeper issues. I like to believe that the churches of today, the people, the pastors, the televangelists and whatnot, are not necessarily dead wrong. They're just not completely right. <laughs> is that a good way of saying it? I would say that the, the core issue is when we, when we present God's law functioning like human law, just a system of rules that mm-hmm. makes God the enforcer and the source of death, then we have missed the entire point. God is the creator. His laws, the laws upon which reality are built. We are dying of a terminal condition called sin, and God has provided the solution in Christ to heal and save us. He is our Savior. He is not our executioner. Mm, mm, mm. How we view God, it will just really color our interpretation of the Bible, and the Bible can reinforce God in us through the work of the Holy Spirit, that along with, according to Dr. Jennings, that along with nature, science, and experience. And that experience is very important, too. If, we, if you, if you want to find God, just take a look at what's happening in your life, and he's there if you want him to be. He is absolutely there. Am I right, Dr. Jennings, in saying that? He is working in everyone's life, whether they acknowledge it or not. I like that, whether they acknowledge it or not. He's there. You got him. He's there. Dr. Jennings, always a pleasure talking with you on these very, very deep subjects. Thank you so much for your your leadership and guidance on this program today. And listener, there is a website, comeandreason.com, where you can find all kinds of good resources to help you on your journey as well. Every journey is different, but you know what? God is the same today, tomorrow, and he is waiting, just eagerly waiting, as Dr. Jennings tells us often in his books. He's waiting there to be a part of our lives and to guide us through this thing we call this mess we call life. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Together.